The New Orleans Saints went into Monday night's matchup with the Carolina Panthers thin at running back and left even thinner, but reinforcements may be on the way. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome in to another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can always subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss the latest episodes. And if you want to keep the conversation going, take part in our inclusive film studies, Q&As, and much more, you can head over to joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints today to join a community as a Locked on Saints insider that I would love for you to be a part of. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on your favorite social media, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media, Saints News Network, Tuesdays on Locked on NFL, and here with you every single Monday through Friday, and then some on Locked on Saints. And today's episode of Locked on Saints is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest and fastest way to play daily fantasy sports. Make sure you go and check them out today by going to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use promo code in all lowercase locked on NFL for a deposit match up to $100. On today's episode, we're going to take a look at how pressure was much more effective against Derek Carr Monday night and who gave up those numbers on the offensive line. We'll take a look at Marshawn Lattimore, who is on an incredible tear and who has bucked a big-time trend that critics used to have about him that has all of a sudden disappeared over the course of the past two years. Good for you, Marshawn Lattimore. And to kick off today's show, Jamal Williams sounds like it's going to be a little bit of time before he is back. The New Orleans Saints went into Monday night's game with just two active running backs, Jamal Williams and Tony Jones Jr. Dennis Allen told us via Zoom conference in on Tuesday afternoon, I'm still getting my day straight with the Monday night game, on Tuesday afternoon that they had gone into the game with a plan to utilize Taysom Hill out of the backfield, something that I know a lot of Saints fans have been suggesting and especially going into this year, especially going in with the Alvin Kamara suspension, all of that. So they went in specifically with that plan uh, in this game on Monday night. I think you'll be happy to hear, but didn't expect to lose Jamal Williams just less than 20 snaps into the game. We asked for an update on Jamal Williams. Dennis Allen said that it is a hamstring injury, which is what was initially uh, reported during the game, and that it would, quote, take a little time to get him back. Well, let me say paraphrase, quote, take a little time to get him back. So I would not expect to see Jamal Williams maybe for the next couple of weeks. We'll see if he goes on injured reserve, though it doesn't sound like the severity is that much. If he's going to miss four games, you might as well put him on injured reserve, save that roster spot. Although this is a team that went into its week two game with just 52 players on its roster. So maybe they're not too worried about roster spots, especially right now. So there's a chance that he never goes on injured reserve and the Saints just kind of feel things out. There's a chance that they learn more. And then because of that, they put him on injured reserve. I think it's going to be more so that the potential IR move will tell us something before we'll learn something that gives us an idea of the IR move. So we'll see exactly what happens there. But the Saints 
are not without their weapons in the backfield. You just want to see them be utilized a little bit more, right? One more week of Alvin Kamara's suspension after the Green Bay Packers game, Alvin Kamara is able to return to practice and then perhaps more importantly, return to the field. He's going to return to the field against a defense that has not been performing the way that you would expect this defense to perform in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday at the Superdome. So it's going to be the Saints' second home game that he'll be right back out in front of this home crowd. So expect Alvin Kamara, of course, to have his big time sort of uh, re ability to reintroduce himself. His name is Hope. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be his big moment to be able to do that. But the Saints do have other reinforcements that are on the way, and they all come kind of in one name, which would be Kendra Miller, the New Orleans Saints third round pick out of TCU. I asked Dennis Allen, how close was Kendra Miller to playing Monday night against the Carolina Panthers? And he said he physically probably could have played, but it was DA's decision to hold him back and keep him from going out there. Instead, they went with the two active running backs and then utilized Taysom Hill as an additional backfield piece, which worked well. The Saints were able to you know, use that and run that backfield to the tune of over 130 rushing yards and just over four yards per carry. So they were actually quite um, efficient in utilizing that approach. So assuming that the Saints continue to do what they did with Taysom Hill during Monday night's game and get good production, goodness gracious, production from Kendra Miller, then they should be in a really good place up against the Green Bay Packers defense to at least be able to produce a run game and then that run game sees its boost when Alvin Kamara gets back into the backfield as well. And I think that the other piece that you're looking for with both Kendra Miller and with Alvin Kamara, and honestly, like, let's be real, potentially Taysom Hill as well out of the backfield. And then you add in Tony Jones, who, by the way, was phenomenal in pass protection as well, kind of Mark Ingram-esque as a pass protector. So there's another piece of value for him that will also help to not only grow the backfield's production as a uh, as a rushing group but also as a pass catching group so far we've only seen players uh, running backs targeted four times out of the backfield over the course of the first two games just two catches for seven yards both of which by jamal williams in week one the two times that tony jones jr was targeted in the monday night game failing complete including including a potential touchdown where he and Derek carr just simply weren't on the same page but four targets to running backs out of the backfield, that's not the New Orleans Saints football that we're accustomed to. That might be a place where Kendra Miller, and most specifically going into week four, Alvin Kamara, have a major impact in helping this New Orleans Saints offense catch its rhythm, move a little bit quicker, establish quicker, quick, quicker. I'm just making up a bunch of words today. Quicker. Um, establish, you know, that identity, establish their effectiveness early on in drives, all of that. That I think you're going to see a big time step forward once Alvin Kamara is kind of back in the lineup. And maybe that doesn't happen immediately, right? Maybe that takes a couple of games, him and Derek Carr getting on the same page and building out their chemistry and all those things. All that's understandable. All of that's fine. But nonetheless, just getting the right personnel out on the field should immediately have a positive impact for New Orleans. We'll have to see exactly what happens with Jamal Williams. Uh, Jamal Williams, I know, didn't have the the flashiest rushing numbers or or anything like that, but that's the point, right? He was supposed to be the guy that was there to kind of take the brunt of the run game, run up the middle, um, you know, take all of the shots, like all of those little things so that Alvin Kamara could be kind of the change of pace guy. And there will be time for that to happen. But unfortunately, that time is now probably going to be a little bit delayed because I imagine that when Alvin Kamara comes back in two weeks or, or, or after this week, uh, that maybe you're still waiting on Jamal Williams to come back for another week 
or two. We'll see when we get more specifics. That's kind of just me speculating, but that seems like that might be the case. And so that's why you're really kind of happy almost in the fact that the Saints didn't rush Kendra Miller back and potentially re-injure that same knee or that same hamstring, all the things that he was dealing with, and instead kind of played it safe with him because now when you're down Jamal Williams, you're getting Kendra Miller back at the exact same time. You've got good production out of a very confident Tony Jones Jr. You've shown that you can utilize Taysom Hill out of the backfield. And of course, you have Alvin Kamara on the way back as well. I want to mention one other thing real quick, that position designation wise, the running backs only have two catches and four targets for seven yards. But remember, they also ran routes with Chris Olave out of the backfield. They have run routes with Rashid Shahid out of the backfield during preseason training camp, all of that. And then, of course, the Taysom Hill factor of it all as well. So Saints have other ways to produce out of the backfield as a passing offense, even if it's not from a position designated running back. All right, y'all, coming up next, the player that maybe has been the most impressive for the New Orleans Saints has easily been Marshawn Lattimore, and he has yet again bucked a trend that a lot of critics used to bring up about him all the time. I'll tell you what that trend is and just how special what he's doing has been. We got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Our partners over at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy football picks each week all season long. So whether you're prepping for another daily draft or maybe you're scouting that waiver wire, Every week, we're going to provide you with the players that are going to be a perfect fit for your lineup. So let's see who Vinny has, has selected uh, for us for this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week. If you've already got Eagles wide receiver A.J. Brown on your roster, he might be looking for his first touchdown and his first 100 or more uh, yard game. But going into week three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he has a great chance to do both of those Things combining for 11 catches on 16 targets for 108 yards in those first two games combined. He's got a chance to get it done against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary that's down Carlton, uh, uh, Carlton Davis and has a Jamel Dean that has not been playing well so far. And that defense will make uh, Jalen Hurts throw more with their run defense. You're going to get a lot of, let's call it volume as well when it comes to AJ Green. So as a squeaky wheel, expect Brown to get plenty of grease on Monday night. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure that your ride is running smoothly. Brake uh, break kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever it is that your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you get your money back. Plus, at, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not Cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com slash motors. eBay guarantee fit available only to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, family. Continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Marshawn Lattimore is on an absolute tear. And for all the critics out there who have been trying to find reasons to hate on him over the past couple of years, the excuses are running out. Thank you, as always, to all you everydayers out there for being uh, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. So look, Marshall Lattimore has been absolutely outstanding so far this season in terms of being the nearest defender, two catches, 17 yards that he's surrendered so far on this season. Or actually, actually I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Two catches, 15 yards. Uh, so let me not rephrase, let me correct. 
Uh, six yards, a six yard reception last week, Adam Thielen on what was effectively a screen uh, kind of, you know, whip route that they ran with him. And then last week it was a nine yard pass to DeAndre Hopkins, you know, over the middle of the field. So when you look at where Marshall Lattimore has been, he's been simply outstanding. Uh, quarterbacks are not having a fun time throwing at him. Uh, when it came to this Carolina Panthers game, he was targeted twice, allowed that one catch for six yards uh, that included seven yards after catch because it was a screen. Uh, he had a forcing completion, so that's a 50% forcing completion percentage, including a pass breakup. And Bryce Young, when targeting Marshawn Lattimore for those couple of passes, 56.3 NFL passer rating. And one of the ways that I really want us to be paying attention to how well cover corners are playing this year is by looking at target to snap ratio. Because a lot of times when you see these grades, they're grading players based upon how many times they were targeted. So when you see a passer rating that's going to you know, uh, you know, a passer rating when targeted, for instance, that's based on how well a quarterback did when they specifically targeted that player. But something else we should also be paying attention to is how often or not often is a corner being targeted. So for instance, Elante Taylor, who is going to see a lot of targets this season because he's inherently playing, which comes inherently from playing in the slot. He's also a new guy at the position, so he's going to be targeted a lot, but still fared well. Um, uh, Monday night against the Carolina Panthers, he was targeted 11 times on 41 snaps. That's not out of the ordinary for a slot guy. You're going to see a lot of volume there on those 11 targets. He allowed nine catches, but only 39 yards and also had a forced incompletion with a pass breakup. So he was really, really stout uh, over there, uh, allowing just 4.3 yards per reception. You'll take that any day, especially on a nine reception day. Um, but Marshawn Lattimore also out there for 41 covered snaps, two targets. That's it. That means that for 39 other snaps, either the quarterback didn't look his way or did and had to move through the progression because there was no way to target Marshawn Lattimore uh, because the coverage was, was so good. And so I think that there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but I do think that that is an important way to also look at it. I mentioned the criticism around Marshawn Lattimore and how people are running out of reasons to criticize him. And I think that this game was a really, really good example of why that is. Remember the criticism that Marshawn Lattimore used to get all the time? Like, oh yeah, he only shows up against the big names, but he ends up making, you know, people would say that he makes, you know, other players look, you know, better, younger players or, um, or, or, or that he kind of like takes reps off against players that aren't, you know, elite level players and all those other things, which was bogus to begin with. But now he's shown you none of that, right? You're the two guys that he matched up with. Now, last week, he was matched up with DeAndre Hopkins. So maybe the haters would have had a little bit of opportunity to at least whisper that criticism, right? But you ain't saying it out loud. Now you're not even whispering it at this point. Jonathan Mingo, Adam Thielen. Those are the guys that were targeted in coverage by Marshawn Lattimore. Those weren't the only guys that he lined up with. He had several other matchups as well, including guys like, you know, uh, uh, Terrace Marshall and, and all that. Didn't even, didn't even get targeted under Marshawn Lattimore's coverage. So the criticism that used to come to and about Marshawn Lattimore about not showing up against lesser competition or playing down to opponents, that's the phrase we used to hear all the time. Oh, oh man, all the time with that. Oh, we're playing, he plays down to this, he plays down to this level, all those other things. <sighs> can't say that anymore. You simply can't. You simply can't. Like he has just been absolutely outstanding so far 
this season. And and one of the things that we've continuously said here on this show that's been uttered and 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 re- not repeated, but you know, like we're not we're not specific. You're not we're not specifically unique here in this take. But you look at where Marshawn Lattimore is and 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 the way that the New Orleans Saints defense plays, and what you know is that the defense goes the way of Marshawn Lattimore, right? And so far, we're seeing that Marshawn Lattimore is playing at an elite level. Two thousand and three. Over the course of the first two games, take a moment to just guess the NFL passer rating when targeted, Marshawn Lattimore. Just take a second to guess. 9.4. 9.4 is the answer. Four pass breakups on the season. Several forced incompletions. Um, he's allowed only three receptions on eight targets. Those three receptions have gone for a whopping 30 yards. No touchdowns, one interception. He has been elite. Elite, elite, elite. He has been absolutely outstanding. 90.7 coverage grade on pro football focus, take it or leave it in terms of whatever you think that that might be. I think the one thing you're looking at, Marshawn Lattimore, and you're going, all right, <clears throat> maybe something to clean up a little bit in terms of like every player is looking at how do you take steps forward in your game, no matter how good you are. Marshawn Lattimore has always been that guy. Doesn't care how good he is, cares about how good he's going to be. Missed tackles. He's got three missed tackles on the season so far, uh, but uh, you know, you'll, take it, you'll take that or leave that, but it is a 60% missed tackle percentage. I know he wants that number to be better. And, and all three of those missed tackles, by the way, came in the game against Tennessee. Missed no tackles against Carolina. So he might already be taking that step forward before I even had the chance to say anything about it. That's how good Marshawn Lattimore is. Marshawn Lattimore is like, all right, well, let me look at my game from last week. All right, what did I not do well? All right, what's Ross going to talk about? Okay, let me go ahead and take care of that here a week too before he gets a chance to talk about it. Obviously, that's not the case. Nobody cares about what I have to say. But nobody on that team cares about what I have to say. They certainly shouldn't. Uh, but... I just shouldn't care about what anybody has to say, especially when you're playing this lights out, right? Like Marshawn Lattimore is elite. He's elite. And that's what you need uh, when you've got a, you know, a cornerback situation, especially actually when you play a coverage situation like the New Orleans Saints do to where you're putting these guys on islands all the time. You're, you're saying, all right, go out there. It's press man coverage. Every snap, <laughs> go out there, go out there and get it done. And the New Orleans Saints are getting it done. And it's all led by a guy like Marshawn Lattimore, who has been just lights out tremendous so far this season. And I don't think that that's going to be going anywhere anytime soon. So you love what you're seeing so far uh, from Marshawn Lattimore, and it's very likely only going to get better and better and better and better. Just looking at forcing completion percentages across the NFL for players that were, you know, actually targeted uh, Marshawn Lattimore right now at the top. So amongst players that have been targeted, or let's say have played at least 50 covered snaps, uh, 50% incompletion rate when you're targeting Marshawn Lattimore four forced incompletions on eight targets. So you've got only a 50% chance when you're going to him. That's over Pat Sertan right now, PS2, who's at 43%. That's over Trayvon Diggs right now, who's at 38%. That's over Sean Murphy Bunting right now, who's at 33%. Told y'all he was better than we, than everybody thought. Kendall Fuller's on there at 29%. All of them dusted right now by Marshawn Lattimore at 50%. A 50% chance when you're targeting Marshawn Lattimore. And I'm not talking about 50% chance, like a 50% chance of rain where 50% of the area is going to get rain. And we all learned that like a month ago and it all blew our minds. No, I mean, 50% chance that it's going to happen or not going to happen. And even when it does, even when it does, you're talking about 10 yards per reception allowed right now for an outside corner, for an outside corner. That's absolutely outstanding. And in terms of snaps per target, 9.4 snaps per target so far uh, for Marshall Lattimore. So he is playing lights out. 
absolutely lights out. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're taking a look at the pressure ratings for the New Orleans Saints. How many pressures were allowed and how did Derek Carr fare under pressure? Spoiler alert, not great. We got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the best and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's not you versus a bunch of different lineups. You're just trying to put your football knowledge to use. Do you think that, you know, Derek Carr is going to go more or less than a certain number of passing yards? Do you think Chris Olave is going to see more or less receptions in a game? That's it. And all you're doing is going up against the projection. So you already know what it is that your favorite team or other teams that you have knowledge of love to do in an NFL game, how that matches up against defenses. You can actually use your football knowledge to turn $10 into $250 because you can take all your entries and turn it into 25% here at Prize Picks. So let me help you get started. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use promo code in all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Dollars. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL, promo code locked on NFL, all lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. Today's episode also brought to you by Jace Medical. Jace Medical is exactly what you need if you're somebody who wants to really focus on or likes to focus on emergency preparedness, especially down here in the South when you're dealing with hurricanes, when you're dealing with flash floods, all these other things. There's a lot of reasons to be prepared. I used to live out on the West Coast where we used to build like earthquake kits and all that other stuff. This is something I wish I would have had for my earthquake kit, but now have already ordered so that I have it here for hurricane season. It is the Jace case, which gives you five different antibiotics that helps you fight over 50 different types of infections. This is potentially life-saving stuff that you have the opportunity to have in case you need it. That's the way that you want to go about it. You can save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com, promo code LOCKEDON at jacemedical.com. Let's get it, Houdat Nation. Wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with a look at pressure and how it impacted the New Orleans Saints against the Carolina Panthers. And the fact of the matter is that pressure had a much bigger effect on New Orleans and their offense and Derek Carr than it did looking at the first game against the Tennessee Titans. Um, uh, thank you very much, as always, all your everydayers out there making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. So as we wrap up the show here today, we're taking a look at these pressure numbers. Um, and, and here's what I'm going to mention. Okay, Trevor Penning, steps better, got better, still allowed some pressures, still credited as allowing a sack in this game by Pro Football Focus. But the Saints went from allowing 24 pressures on the offensive line, not all of which were Trevor Penning, right? The offensive line as a whole, as I kept mentioning last week, struggled. They improved this week. Only 12 pressures. That's a little bit more of a usual game for an NFL offensive line. And that includes not only the offensive line, but a couple of pressures given up out of the backfield, you know, pressures that could be given up by tight ends in the, uh, across the NFL, stuff like that. Didn't see any of that in terms of the tight end pressure um, this game. But definitely saw two pressures right now, right here that were credited to Tony Jones Jr. But all told, Tony Jones Jr. was outstanding in pass protection. Brandon Thorne put out a, uh, like a collection of film by him, putting a couple guys on the, in the dirt, you know, being at good vision, swinging over. I would imagine that probably those two pressures, and I got to go back and watch the tape now that I'm home. Uh, but go back, I'll go back and look at it. I would bet that those pressures came when he was early on in the game. 
before he really kind of got back into to, to the swing of things, got back into speed. But let's go over the offensive line here just so that you know. Uh, Ryan Ramchek, one pressure. It was only a hurry. Uh, Eric McCoy, two pressures, both only hurries. Cesar Ruiz, uh, James Hurst, Trevor Penning, all each giving up a sack. The Saints had four sacks total that were surrendered in this game. The other sack was credited to uh, Tony Jones Jr. Again, I imagine that was probably early in the game, but I'll go back and check that out. In terms of the pressure numbers, he had four pressures given up by Trevor Penning, one of which was the sack. The other three only hurries. So not a lot of hits on the quarterback, only one hit non-sack on the quarterback. That was also given up by James Hurst. That gives you his second pressure. Eric McCoy gave up a pair of pressures. Uh, oh, I mentioned that one already. Sorry. And then Cesar Ruiz, who gave up one sack or who was credited as surrendering one sack. Let me say it that way. That would have been the one only pressure uh, by that Cesar Ruiz would have led up in that game. So uh, again, you're not just looking at Trevor Penning. You're looking at the interior offensive line, giving up a total of, what is that? Two, four, five pressures. Trevor Penning giving up four. But the thing that's good here, and this is a, a silver lining approach maybe, is that what you're actually seeing is a lot more hurries than you're seeing hits and sacks. Four sacks, though, still too much given up by this New Orleans Saints offensive line. You saw three of them in the first half, one of which in the second half. Two weeks ago, you saw four of them in the first half, none in the second half. So whatever the Saints are doing in the second half, just do it in the first half. And then you're going to be in a little bit of a better position if that option is available to them. Certainly, this New Orleans Saints offense wants to get off to much better starts, much quicker starts, all of that. That is going to come with protecting the quarterback for certain. Um, let's look at Derek Carr under pressure. Last week, he had a great game under pressure, right? He was under pressure for, I think it was... Um, it was 17, yeah, 17 snaps, sacked four times, 13 passing attempts, eight completions for over 160 yards. Very different story here this week. Under pressure for 10 snaps, not too bad, 10 dropbacks, 12 total pressures. So clearly two of those pressures came at the same time as two other pressures. Uh, but under duress, only 10 dropbacks. So not as bad as we thought. A lot of those probably in the first half as opposed to in the second half. Only completed two passes on six attempts, though. So only a 33.3% completion percentage for 40 yards in that case. So he was sacked four times, only got the ball out six times, um, only completed those passes twice. So you want to see that. Uh, one of them was a batted pass at the line of scrimmage as well. So even if you adjusted his completion percentage, you're still looking at 50% completion percentage. So that's maybe the next place for you know all of this is, all right, well, that was different than what we saw week one to where... You know, Derek Carr was very good under pressure, didn't see that as much in uh, in this game against the Carolina Panthers. That's not a situation, though, that you look at and you say, oh, my God, the New Orleans Saints offense is failing. It's, you know, uh, it's trash like they're not going to be able to do anything. No, like we're not going to overreact around all this or anything like that. It's the second game of the season, everything. But you saw steps forward for the offensive line. Just want to see those sack numbers come down. And when pressure is there. Derek Carr to be more week one than he was week two moving forward. Those are the things that you're going to be looking for um, throughout. Uh, and the other thing is both of Derek Carr's interceptions so far this season have come late in the first half and they've come in situations where, you know, it was a, a decision that should not have been made. He takes a lot of accountability on both of those interceptions saying, I think he, you know, he said again this week that it was a quote, dumb decision or something like that, like those types of things. Um, but you're also seeing them come when he's not under pressure. And so, you, but you're not seeing any interceptions under pressure. So it's a little bit, the script is a little bit flipped. Uh, and so, you know, you just want him to see the field a little bit better. He said that that, that interception that he threw uh, in targeting Chris Olave, that he should have pushed it further upfield as opposed to trying to go underneath to Chris Olave. A 
Olave was kind of running to the toward the sideline and there was an underneath defender and then there was a trail defender that was on the inside of the field. So if he puts that deep and outside, you give Chris Olave the opportunity to be the only one to go and get it. You look at the Chris Olave throw later when he made that incredible um, catch down the sideline, only where he could get it. The pass to Rashid Shaheed down the right sideline, only where he could get it. The pass to Michael Thomas down the right sideline, only where he could get it. All of those things like you wanted to, if he would have been able, been able to do that or if he would have done that on that pass, then it would have been a different story. At least you're talking about maybe an incompletion as opposed to at worst, as opposed to an interception. But that's shoulda, coulda, woulda at this point. It's all about moving forward now against this Green Bay Packers defense. And the Green Bay Packers defense is not um, an easy one. Like the Saints have gone again, are going to be matching up with three tough defenses for the first three weeks. Then they get an injured uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, but still a defense that plays them well and plays really, really well against the run game. So lots of things for the New Orleans Saints to still work out here. Yes, they got reinforcements on the way. Kendra Miller expected to be full go this weekend. Alvin Kamara back after this weekend. All of that, I understand. Uh, but the New Orleans Saints as a whole on offense need to take some of those steps forward, especially early on in games. And we'll see as they go through the practice week how they're going to be able to do all of that. So coming up tomorrow, we're going to have our crossover Thursday episode, myself and Peter Bukowski, who are already having a lot of fun. Expect a lot of trash talk. Expect us to have some fun. We're going to bring you some fantastic analysis on this game as well. Peter, uh, very, very like one of my, my top talents guys that I look at on this entire network and all that. So it's going to be a ton of fun to be able to chop it up and have a great conversation with him. I also have a live episode. It's probably going to be um, later in the evening tonight after practice, just because I have some, some meetings and stuff like that today. But once all that's done, we'll go live. I'll give you everything you need to know from practice, uh, as well as our conference call that's coming up with Dennis Allen later on today as well. Maybe we'll get a little bit more information on the timeline for Jamal Williams at that point. So as much as I can bring him, I'll bring you later on this evening, and then I'll see you tomorrow morning with another fresh episode uh, on Crossover Thursday. Appreciate you, as always, y'all, for making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Big shout out to all you everydayers out there. Uh, I appreciate you very much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, please say hi. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. And trust you that nation, I'll holla at you.